To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to... Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast... With no direction. What's up, everybody? You know that song, you know this voice, and for the first time in a long time, we're sitting together. It's Rook and... Don! Woohoo! Hey, hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to see you, man. Dude, it is, it is so so great to actually be sitting here sharing comic books together, you know, even though all mine are digital at the moment. No, no that's fine. That's the road you went on. I, <laughs> while we're talking about this, I do have something I was going to... I was going to whine about a little bit, and okay. hopefully you'll walk me through this. I um, I did a Kickstarter, which you're an expert of, but thanks to our friend Ryan Clater, when he sent me the Onishi Press book, um, um, I forgot the name of it, Dwayne. The, the Dwayne, Dwayne you know, right, yep. Which is a book, I have to say, I did not want, I ended up loving well, she's written the second one in the series, right? About uh, the monkeys. Yes, monkey maids, uh, tales from Externia. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that. But um, anyway, they did the Kickstarter, so I get. I'm on a mailing list, I guess. I keep getting all these alerts, and they're really prompt about it. But it antagonizes me, not because of them. It's just, I, I don't like my mailbox constantly being filled up with stuff. I always feel like I should answer it and take care of it. And honestly, they've been sending free comic books. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yes, they do. I tell you, they're very generous. And every time I open one, one time they had, I think, all their anthologies, which we did talk about the first one on the show. Aneshi is amazing with the amount of stuff that they send. It's... if. If you got a moment, go jump on their mailing list because they send a ton of cool stuff. Yeah, and that's an understatement. I mean, I can't stress to you how amazing. And they're fun to read, you know. So even though I'm whining about this, I um, I keep waiting for the book to come out. Of course, I understand they got the thing. I'm waiting for it. They And they do tell you, like, you know, how they're setting this up, and they got funded, and they're waiting for the check, and then they send it to the printer, you know, all the stuff. Right. And that one, that's all fine. But it, it does kind of drive me crazy. But there's another one. I think it was on Zoop. But it was Comics for Ukraine. Sunflower Seeds. You know, in the... Oh, right. With the grandmother that handed the soldier the sunflower seeds. And, um... I... In the 80s, I found out I really don't like benefit comic books at all. A lot of them feel disingenuous. Yeah, and when I say during the Ethiopia, when all the people were starving, which had been going a long time, but in, um, I think it was 84, they were really making a big thing about it. It was in the news all the time. Marvel did one, and then DC did one. And uh, one of them was called Heroes for Hope. I can't remember what the other one was called. Mm -hmm. But... I, I bought those so fast off the racks. I mean, it's basically, I, I burned the, the paper from the friction of the speed. <laughs> because they had basically, it was a who's who. They had Bernie Wrightson, they had um, Michael Kaluta, they had Jeff Jones. All these people that I love did a couple of pages. 
and uh, which again, every every couple of pages were done by a different writer, a different artist, a different inker. Right, which and is had, typical with these anthology style yeah. uh, benefit books. And, and they were fine. Um, I will say one thing. It was the X-Men. That was one of the Ethiopian um, benefit books. And I was home on leave. I was in the Navy at the time. And I stayed up all night, and I'm laying in my bedroom floor, my old bedroom floor, and I'm reading these comics. And I got to one, and I was thinking, you know, while I'm reading this, you know, I, I should go in the kitchen and make something to eat. I'm kind of hungry. And I'm reading this, and... Kitty Pride, Dallas's favorite character, she starts basically shriveling up and like her skin was falling off of her, you know, and I think Jeff Jones was one of the people that drew that and mm-hmm. it was horrifying. Yeah. And when this is going on, I'm reading the narration and the story and she's falling over. She's I'm so hungry. I was starving. I was absolutely starving reading these two pages. And it was uncomfortable. God, I'm really hungry. I mean, I, like I said, when I was reading the book, I was thinking about going in the kitchen and making a sandwich or something. But I just laid on the floor and read it. And then when I got past those two pages, I was all right. And I thought, how is this possible? Anyway, I looked in the back and had all the credits. Stephen King wrote those two pages. Oh, no kidding. My God, that guy can write. Oh, I mean, cow. When I say this, I like Stephen King quite well. I always thought he was something... But, you know, when you and I were at Yancey Street and that Yancey Street South and that one, uh, the filmmaker, he found out. Right. I Joe remember Will, talking with him. Yeah. And he goes, you mean to tell me the greatest writer in modern history, his son's writing too? Well, that's an understatement. He, oh. If he can write two stories, two pages in a comic book with all these other people and those make you hungry, he's something. Anyway, so I'm telling you about how much I hate these kind of books, but yet I'm glowing on them. Later, um, I think it was in 86, DC put out another one called, um, it was about domestic abuse. Lois Lane was, you know, doing it. And it was just so, Gray Morrow, all these people I love did pages in it, but it mm-hmm. was just kind of pedestrian. Then, um, I guess both Marvel and DC did a 9-11 book. Yes, they did. And I, I didn't want it. I, you know, comic books to me are my place I, I didn't yeah. want that. You know, it's permeated everything. Not that it should be forgotten. It was you know a I mean? raw nerve at the time. And I mm. remember that 9-11 book. Uh, it, was, mm. it, was a hard, it was hard to read that one. Yeah. It, now I've seen, what was it, the Spider-Man, the first movie on the DVD. They had, um, that's why I got, I rented the movie. Because... My buddy Britt had said that he was really impressed with all the creators they had in that documentary. And one of them was John Romita. Yeah. And he's talking about his son, I guess, went back to Spider-Man. And he was saying, for John to take take on a book like that, a project like that, basically it showed Spider-Man after the World Trade Center collapsed. It had Spider-Man. It was, it was shocking. He goes, oh my. You know, he didn't know what to do. And basically, I guess John Romita was going to do the book till the, the thing was finished. Mm-hmm. Well, near New Yorkers, that must have been gut-wrenching. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, the store I went to at the time, which is a store I loved, but the guy was telling me, he came up like, Oh, I got something for you. And immediately his 
his mother, who worked in the store, had a spiral-bound um, pad of paper, and she clicked her pen, and she's ready to put my name down on the list to get this benefit book. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, I, I thank you, but I'm not interested. They both looked at me like they couldn't believe it. It was almost like like I took the American flag and, and urinated on it and stomped on it. Yeah, you know? I... Uh, that was a that was sensitive for a lot of people because uh, profits from that book I think benefited the yeah. families. So uh, they were pushing that book really hard at the retailers. Well, I I gave money. I'm not gonna. I don't want the comic book to remind me of something that that you know. horrific. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's fine. And later, when I was in the store, um, the guy loved crypto, the super dog. That oh was yeah. A favorite from his childhood. And I came in, he was, so ex- he was so excited, he was showing me two pages where I, Crypto was there, and he helped some other dog in all the rubble. Mm. And then at the end, he solved the problem, and the Crypto looks at the reader and winks, which is cute, and he was just giddy about it. So, I mean, it was, yeah, I was impressed. Yeah. I didn't want it. But I just remember, anyway, it, it soured me on these benefit books. Nevertheless, the... um. The Comics for Ukraine, they announced it. Howard Chaykin did an American flag story. Stan Sakai did a Usagi Jimbo story. Um, the Gru guys did a Gru story. Walt Simonson did a Star Slammer story. These were all my favorite stuff in the 80s. These, as you know, oh yeah, those are prime cuts. I was going to say, those are, those are great, great characters mm. and writers. So. And those are, you know... If the Hernandez brothers were in it, it would have just been a perfect book. <laughs> and um, so I was excited because there's a bunch of other creators in there. You had a choice of a bunch of different covers. And um, so I, I immediately put down quite a bit of money for a 160-page softback book. And I've been waiting for a year and a half. Really? Yeah. And, wow. Um, Chris, Spr- uh, what's it? Chris Sprouse was supposed to draw a story, and I can't remember the writer, he was a, a prime writer, was writing that story, and that one didn't make it. Uh, every once in a while, I mean, I think I've gotten three messages from him, the guy behind the project, and he was telling about what's going on, and this and that, and at one point, they got a couple news stories, I think Colleen Doran was doing a story that popped up, but um, the Chris Sprouse story didn't make it for there was a reason i don't know what the issue was but they they just said there was an issue and they couldn't do it okay that's fine and then nothing i haven't heard a word and um hmm. so i finally went to the site thinking because i was watching these videos on san diego comic-con and they had people with the hardbacks you know showing of that book yeah really well, well, maybe, maybe they're waiting for san diego but i still haven't heard anything and um like I said, the book has three or four different covers, and you can get you get hardback. I got the softback, you know, but you could get oversized. You could get it with women's underwear on it. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of options. And um, anyway, I went to the site, and it says contact us. There's no information on the site about it, except stuff from a year ago. Yeah. And um, so I just asked, and a couple of days later, they sent me a note. It says, yeah, it says they... Um, the ship should be arriving in port within um, a week. Ship? Yeah. Well, they... Printed overseas? I, it could have been Canada. I don't know. Wow. Um, but 
I guess it's supposed to land in California. And then once it gets there, they're going to start processing it. So I should get it, I think, in sometime mid-September. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I'm not mad about any of that. I guess this long rant I've gone on, even though I'm praising things, I don't like having to wait in order. How are you doing this? <laughs> so, uh, I'll be honest with you. I I back so many Kickstarters that I forget about them. <laughs> um, as we were setting up here uh, just now, I actually I was going through some of my books last night, uh, doing some reading and stuff, and I realized I didn't have the downloads for one of the books that I backed. Yeah, because I do a lot of I, uh, I do a lot of digital backing because it's well, I mean, you see my house. I've got yeah. comic books stacked over in the corner here. I've got comic books in need of. Uh, you know, filing in the actual comic book room and Which stuff. Which is every, I think yeah. is everybody's place. Right. But, so the digital stuff allows me to be able to, you know, just throw them on my computer and mm. I can carry that around and read them. Uh, I actually forget stuff that I that I back. So every <laughs> once in a while, I'll, I'll hop on Kickstarter and just go through and be like, okay, all right, what do I not have yet? <laughs> oh, I got you know, so... You know, it's, yeah, it's it's hard waiting for stuff a lot of times. Uh, I will say this, I am, I'm currently waiting on a particular book. I'm not going to say any names because I know it's a process. I know it's a, <laughs> it is a process. I'm waiting on a particular book right now that I, that I backed with a bunch of additionals and stuff like that. Probably, mm. probably one of the most expensive <laughs> Kickstarter's like back to date. I think I dropped like eighty five dollars on it. <clears throat> uh, and yeah, doing a quick scroll through that <laughs> that is that is that is my most expensive Kickstarter to date was eighty five bucks. Wow. Way above my right. like that I have a limit now. Like after that one I'm like, okay, I can't do this all the time. <laughs> so I have a limit that I that I'll fund. Um, don't get me wrong, some of the stuff that people put uh, have on, on for uh for for backing some of it's just amazing and i would love to but i just i can't afford it you know yeah. i mean so as far as the waiting process you know a lot of times you have to you have to figure okay does the kickstarter stay that all the art and writing is done and all they need is the printing money mm. at this point uh are they waiting on art are they waiting on writing you know so, you know, those are factors that I have to have to keep in mind when backing a particular project. Um, I think, actually, jump back to Oneshi for a second. I think one of theirs was slightly delayed, and, and by delayed, I only mean by like a couple weeks, because uh, they were waiting on the coffee. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love the coffee that they make. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. Um and I think one of the, one of the ones was delayed just a little bit because they were waiting on the coffee shipment to be able to send out with everything. Which makes sense. Hey, I get it. You know, it's it's what it is. Um, there's been other books that uh, I sit there and I'm like, well, how come I haven't gotten a copy of that? And I go on and I'm like, oh wait, because that was all digital. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a bonehead sometimes. I swear. Yeah, that's why we're friends. <laughs> yeah, but. You know, as far as the waiting process with Kickstarter, I find that there are certain people, Oneshi, 
uh, Bigfoot knows karate. Uh, Stokes, Anthony Stokes. Um, you know, these people keep you very updated on yeah. what they're doing and how the process is. Lori Calcaterra with Path Path of the Pale Rider. Um, she's very interactive. Talks, you know, on mm. Kickstarter. Lets people know what's happening and stuff. Uh, Wells. Wells is another one. Yeah, uh, he's he's amazing because what he'll do is he'll he'll get on his last Kickstarter, send a message to that, and be like, "Hey guys, I'm getting ready for another another Kickstarter," and you know he'll he'll communicate. the The key with Kickstarter is the creators that communicate with the audience are the ones that I gravitate to the most. Because yeah. those are the ones that keep you updated, keep you let, keep letting you know what's going on, and you know who those people are because they're the ones with the continuous record of success on Kickstarter. Right. That's when I'm seeing this. I guess I wouldn't really have any problem with it. I'm really excited about this project, and I'm and I'm praying to God all these stories in it aren't art salutes and tributes to yeah. the war in Ukraine. I mean, don't get me wrong, I understand, but to me that's just a waste of space. Yeah. You know, if they're, you know... I, it, 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 it seems better to just send your money to someone. Yes. <laughs> like, like, I'm only going to take the money I spent on this, put it in an envelope and send it to some random address in, in the Ukraine. They, right. they need it more. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want to salute, a tribute, or, or make you think. Yeah. You know, um... Which it may be, I don't know. Um, and these creators have donated their time. So, yep. I mean, I understand that. And nevertheless, I want it. But, um, it, like I said, a year and a half. It was supposed to come out a long time ago. I understand it's a massive project. But I've never waited that long for anything. Well, it's, you know, you know. Uh, like I've got I've got one particular one that's delayed at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, to do with the printing. But uh, they expected delivery on this originally in March. Yeah. And I mean, we're in August at the moment. But there has been plenty of updates and conversations as far as like, hey, this is what's happening. This is why it's delayed, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So they're really good about, you know, the good Kickstarters are really dedicated to the idea of letting you know what's happening right. and what's going on. Um as I say this, I'm actually checking a message and going, ooh, I don't think I saw this one. What is this? Oh, no, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I said, even though I was whining about Nishi keeps, you know, throwing these on, you know, it's it's making me anxious because my mailbox is filling up. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I appreciate it because that's, it, that's what it takes is keeping the person informed. Oh, yeah. So you but, backed Monkey Mates? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, Want to hear a funny story? What's that? I backed it too. What did my, you? Get? My intention was to give the book to you. Oh well, thanks, man. <laughs> oh well, that's nice. Because I know you're not a Kickstarter guy, you I'm know. Not, but... And I was like, you know what? I know Don's not going to do this for himself. <laughs> I know he's not going to do it for himself. And then you throw me a curveball and well, tell I, me I, for the first time. Well, that you, you did threw it me yourself. a curveball. That's really nice. Thanks. <laughs> that's hilarious. But uh, I think you'll enjoy the book. And um, but I um. I don't know if I'll be doing many Kickstarters after this. <laughs> well, you know that's that's the unfortunate thing is is that that particular Kickstarter that you're referring to has left a bad taste in your mouth, and that it's unfortunate. 
Well, it's not a Kickstarter. It was, um, I don't know, Zoom. Oh, it was on Zoop. something else? Yeah. yeah, see, that's the thing. Well, but like, went... I don't trust a lot of the other random, like, I understand Indiegogo, a lot of the creators, like, creators we've talked to, yeah, creators yeah. we've bought from, you know, I, I understand Indiegogo is pretty good for some creators, uh, but Kickstarter, Kickstarter seems to be the one. Well, this one, I don't think it's Zoop. I think it's because the people putting this together had a whole bunch of working parts. Yeah. Have you got that many creators? Like I said, the the Chris Sprouse story, and this wasn't a derogatory theme. They were supposed to do a, a story, and for some reason it's pulled out. I don't know if it was legal issues. I don't know if it's because, you know, yeah. the artist broke his hand. I don't know if, you know, whatever the reason. There was a reason. And um, the story was pulled, which is fine. It's not... The, the stories I want are in there. Yeah. But a lot of the people put the stuff out. Now, some of them, when that thing came about, they had, like, alternate covers, um, which they didn't have a example of at the time. But, I mean, basically, it's like you're trying to put together a symphony orchestra on the fly. Yeah. And I'm guessing that was a lot of it. And, like, the thing's coming out, and I don't mind. It's just that I haven't heard in a while... And I'm like, well, and then when I started seeing the videos and they got the, what did I, they not send me my book? Was it lost in the mail? Yeah. And then I go to the site and they don't have anything. Everything you look on Google was some 2020, 21, 22, whenever that, that probably can't be that long. But, um, I'm like, this has been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But, that is a long time. I I'd go hunting for that and see what the heck is going on. Well, I that told just you. seems totally I, I ridiculous. Just, I just wrote them, yeah. you know, and they wrote me back within a day or two. And they were really nice. They said that, actually, I said that, I guess the next week, which is next week, they said they're going to, I guess they're compiling the letter. The person that's coordinating all this is going to compile a letter. Mm-hmm. And I put it out about the shipment and everything else, and we should get them by mid-September. Which, yeah. that's all fine. Yeah. But anyway, I just had to whine about that because it's been unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it it it's really difficult doing some of the online backing stuff because you just you, you don't really know who these creators are mm. or when you don't know who the creators are and stuff. That's why I really I really enjoy the fact that so many creators have this kind of network together yeah. uh just for example uh wells uh when he just did one of his last kickstarters for mechaton sent uh sent out oh god what was it like 16 plus uh, cu- uh issues of other people's books yeah like other creators books and it was just like here's a bunch of freebies yeah. And, I mean, dude, some of the books, some of them are stuff that I've already received, uh, you know, uh, things I've backed in the past. But some of them I'm like, ooh, okay, thank you for bringing this to my attention. <laughs> and, you know, Lori's done the same thing. Uh, this is the kind of stuff I look for a lot of times because then I know that, okay, if this reputable creator has said, hey, here's a friend here's a great book that you might like, hmm. you know. I gravitate towards that, and I'm actually I'm actually looking at the, the different books. Uh, there's a couple on there that have some upcoming Kickstarters that I'm keeping my eye out for. 
So, um, it's, you know, it's a gamble. Every time you go on a Kickstarter, it's a gamble because either it's not going to get funded. I've been very fortunate with that. I think I've only had four unsuccessful fun, uh, projects that I've tried to fund. Uh, and then if you don't really know who the creator is, you also kind of sit there and you're like, oh, well, I just don't know. <laughs> you know, but I, you know, the, I think my problem is, is I'm a researcher. Mm. I, I, you know, I see something I like on Kickstarter, I'll get on there and I'll, and I'll start looking through, okay, how many projects have they done? How many successful projects? What was people's responses? You know, um, and that's another thing that is also great about Kickstarter. Like take, for example, Mark Millar. Yeah. The man cannot hit a damn deadline to save his life. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Kick-Ass, uh, Kick-Ass 2, um, so many of his projects, they either just disappear or all of a sudden after like eight, nine months a year, the next issue shows up in your box at the, at the comic book shop and you're like, wait, what is this? I don't even remember this. Oh no no no! You remember the last issue? Da 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 da! And I'm looking at looking at the people in the shop going, "Has it been that long? Like, I I don't even know if I want to finish this now." <laughs> you know, he he's the one who comes to mind most of all because he's the most guilty of it in, past, people, in, in recent yeah. memory. I've heard people say that. You know, I've never I've read his I've got some of his books. I love Starlight. As a matter of fact, yeah. I was um. I was about to break Dallas's arm trying to get him to buy the trade of that mm-hmm. one time, mm-hmm. and um, I really loved that book, uh, Goran Parloff. But the story was nice, and I've read some other ones he's written. I can't think of what they are now, but I uh, I've never bought his books off the stands. I've always got either the trade trades when they're done or and... back issues. Yeah, um, Starlight I never heard of. I found one issue in a dollar box at a Win- at Wilson's. Uh, what is this? And then I found out a friend of mine had bought some issues at the store. I says, why didn't you tell me about this? So I went and got the trade. Um, so I never, I've always heard people say that about the deadlines. Yeah. No, um, I, all the stuff, I'm not, I was never concerned about not getting the book. Mm-hmm. It's none of that. I mean, and like I said, these people, I, I with the, the, the Ukraine comic, it was never any concerned about it. It's just that it's been a long time, and you know, if I could just go to the site and see see a, a blurb, that would be okay. All right. Yeah, just like some form of an update. But you know, they sent an update, and part of it, I was, Zoop, I was getting ready to spam it. I was like, I don't know what Zoop. Oh wait a minute, hold on, let me read this. Oh, good thing I didn't spam it. And um. And I've got some, but I haven't gotten any in a long time. And like I said, I'm like, where has this book been? Yeah. And then when I saw the San Diego and people have the hardback, which is not what I got, what did they come out? No announcement, nothing. You would think the soft, yeah. you would think the soft cover would be out before the hardback, yeah. well, or my, would be able to be produced faster than the hardback. One guy had this big tabloid size book. There was another another variation of it. Good lord! I mean, you know, I mean, it was. So, so wait, wait. San Diego, you saw the hardcover, the tabloid size, but you never saw anybody with a soft. No, in the video. Well, it seems a little backwards. That well, seems like something's I, not. As, as far as that, I don't know. I just was thinking, wait a minute, did this thing come out and I didn't get mine? Yeah. And yeah. Then I, 
I went to the zoop.com, whatever it is. I looked it up. And I says, no, they don't say anything about it. So again, and they had a contact and I can't stress they were really nice. They sent me a really nice thought out note and it was very informative. That's all I need. You know, yep. they should have just sent something out like that. I don't need some big epic. You yeah, know. you don't need like, all right, everybody, here's the exact deadlines yeah. and time frames, and you'll have your book on yeah. this particular date, and here's the tracking number. No, I don't need all that. You know, <laughs> I mean, part of the fun about mm. doing the Kickstarter stuff for me is getting home and seeing that box in the mail in, in the mailbox. That is you fun. Know, that packaging in the mailbox, because you know a lot a lot of people use those really nice. Um, what are they? The Gemini shipping boxes? Uh, I, I want to say that's right, but I, I may be wrong on that. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, packaged with care and quality, and it's just, it's, it's, it's so much fun to open those boxes and find, or find them in the mailbox at, at the end of the day. There's something about getting in the mail, too. I remember um, years ago, before we started doing the show, I was telling Dallas we were talking at work, and I said something about I got um an order from my comic shop. I have an order from Amazon. As I got three things coming in, I remember Dallas. Said, Man, I love getting things in the mail. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just something thrilling. Yep. Knowing it's coming, and then you get the box and get to open it. It's like when you're a kid and your grandmother sends you a five dollar bill. Yeah. You know I mean? Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, for your birthday. <laughs> yeah, you know that's how I felt uh, opening up the newest issue of Bigfoot Nose Karate when that that arrived. I open up the box and like the first thing that I find when I open it is like stickers and buttons, and I'm going, "Oh wow, look at all this stuff!" And then I open up the actual packaging and I'm like, "There's more stickers. There's more stickers. There's a bookmark. Like there's like all this stuff. There's so much stuff." Uh, part of me felt like. When Dan and Casey were packaging these things, they just were like, uh, here, let me just grab a handful of this and throw this in this box. And then, okay, yeah, that box, grab a handful of that and throw it in that one. <laughs> when I, I came in, Rook showed me this pouch he's got. It's full of stickers. He oh my stopped God. writing them out. So many stickers. And, and, Frankenstein. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Frankenstein Unconquered, Magic Powder. Uh, I've got uh, side, uh, Sidekick for Hire. Bigfoot Nose Karate. So uh, let's see. There's eight stickers from them over the last two yeah. issues. Yeah, the table's just covered in stickers that you were showing me. Oh, but, um, man. And, of course, the Oneshi Press logo sticker. Yeah, that's, you know. that's kind of sweet. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Yeah. I love that. I love that design. A few of their stickers have already made it onto my uh, rolling D&D case. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's fun, you know, because it's like... People look at the case and they're like, okay, they're seeing all these D&D stickers. And they're like, wait, what is that? Oh, that's Mr. Guy. Let me tell you about Mr. Guy. (laughs) (laughs) The zombie hunter. Oh, man. It's just, it's fun. I love stickers, man. I mean, I got a a fridge in my garage covered in stickers. I've got, (laughs) you know... I got I got an old desk, uh, the the top of an old crappy student desk sitting over there that I use for a uh, for a workstation. Uh, it's covered in old stickers. I, I'm 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 sticker nuts. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just am, man. You know. <laughs> stickers are fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, and on that, let's have a music break.
woman told my mama Before I was born Got a poor child coming Gonna be a son of a gun Gonna make pretty women Jump and shout And the world gonna know John the Cockroach Gonna mess with you Gonna make it your hers Leave me by the hand And the world gonna know
You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click Click on the Cyclops. True Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Okay, that was Red Club. That's a band of CEOs out of Oklahoma City. Uh, The drummer was my first boss. Well, not my first boss, but I guess my second boss. He's the one that ran a silkscreen company, and that's what started me out in my life as graphics. Um, Thank you very much for the beginning. And these guys are working in there for hire, so if you'd like to hire a band where every single member probably makes far more money than you do, uh, go ahead. Anyway, I have the, <laughs> I'll have the email email on the link. <laughs> oh man, I went to CEOs. <laughs> I um, That's weird. I went to see him in Oklahoma City one time. Uh, the business is still there. It's it's a, it's not a silk screen anymore. It's all digital. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really something. But in the back in the warehouse, he has a stage built. It looks like a roadhouse. I mean, yeah. they have old metal signs and everything. It's really neat, real rustic. But he's got all of his equipment, his drums set up there. And they practice there. And then they do play. That's cool. And when I said, do you guys have a site? No, but you can put my email on the blog. Okay. But um, it was, he was really proud of as a band of CEOs. He told me the other CEOs, it was all prominent businesses in Oklahoma City. I just thought that was funny. You can hire a band where every single member parks far more than you do. <laughs> but, 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 but they're not like some giant corporate CEOs. They all are oh, yeah. like local yeah. to the city. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And, That's um, cool, man. Yeah, it's, my boss was a self-made man. Really interesting. You yeah. know. But And as you can hear, they were actually a good band. Nice. Don, I got to talk to you about this one book. Okay. I got I to I tell you about this book. So, ran, totally random Kickstarter uh, backing. Uh, I was looking for something else in particular on Kickstarter to see if, uh, see if I could find it. And I found this book. It's called Shield Maiden. The writer is Asha Wheaton. And there is a, an entire array of artists on this book. Uh, it's got two books out so far through Kickstarter. First off, take a look at that cover. Oh, that is nice. Isn't that a beautiful cover? And then very next inset page, beautiful yeah. design, graphic, you know. Nice pattern. Yeah. With the patterning and everything. But each story has a different illustrator, same writer. And basically what this story is, is, is it's the story of the character on the front cover. She is Shield Maiden. Unnamed beyond that. Uh, the very first issue gives you a very good idea of her history, of who she is, uh, what she stands for. You know, it's absolutely, I adore the artwork in this. Each artist is absolutely fantastic. You can see the transitions between art. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's rather wild that the second story in the first issue shows her death. 
she dies in this story that I that I'm showing you right now. Hmm. Like it's like it's incomprehensible to me that okay, here's a brand new book. Here's book one, second story in the book. I'm gonna kill the character. <laughs> I mean, hmm. It's so wild, but the writing is fantastic. Very historically accurate in many portions of it. I really like this one. Oh yeah, the art on this one. This one is absolutely fantastic. The other ones are good too, but this one. Yeah. 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 It's also how he sets up his panels and lays out the page. The heavy shadowing in this. Yeah. Uh, that's the third story in the, in the first book. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely just. I absolutely think this is a fantastic book, and I just like I said, randomly ran across it. Uh, on Kickstarter one day, looking for other goofy things, found this piece of absolute art instead, yeah. and I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. Uh, I da- I backed, so I backed it at the point where it was on uh, its second issue, and I just did the digital. Uh, now I'm kind of sitting there looking at myself, going, "You dummy!" You know, take a look at how they do the thank you page. Yeah, it's rounded like the shield. Yeah, it, that's just great. And then, you you know, towards the back of the book, you get these different designs of what the Shield Maiden could have looked like. Right. Different colorations and everything. Yeah, I love stuff like the back matter. I absolutely oh, yeah. love that kind of stuff. Yeah, all the back matter. Uh, those are the two different covers. Wraparound cover. Yeah. Just, yeah. This is an absolutely fantastic book. Like I said, the the writer on this is Aza Wheaton. That is A-S-A. Uh, Wheatley, pardon me, Aza Wheatley. Uh, you'll be able to find, of course, links on our blog and everything like that. But I'm greatly looking forward to seeing where this project keeps going. Uh, the story writing—it's done. Each each artist is a self-contained story. Uh, it uses a lot of uh, saga and Edda mm. literatures in order to, uh, you know, tell certain points of the story and stuff. Uh, the second issue actually does a historically, uh, an actual historical figure is written into that story. Uh, so that was really fun. I, I got a kick out of seeing that. Uh, wonderfully done. And the, it, I have an odd feeling. I don't know. I haven't looked into the writer that much yet. I got a feeling that we're actually getting a Viking Age story written by someone who studies, understands, yeah. or could even be a practicing heathen. I don't know. Uh, but I highly recommend this book to everybody. The fun part about it is, is yes, like I said, literally the Shield Maiden dies in the second story in the first book. Mm. But the way it is done, you know absolutely brilliant I, I i cannot tell you how intelligent the writing is in this um there's uh, just take for example this statue in the in the hand right here it's a statue of freya yeah you could i know that that actual statue exists yeah i've seen it yeah too. Uh, yeah so i mean this is the kind of detail that's gone into this book like, there's a statue of the goddess Freya that actually exists. It's a real thing, you know? Um, other portions of the story, I mean, it's... You look at the design, the way it's done, it feels so 
honest and true right. to to the subject matter. It and, really does. And they have incidental patterns going through this book. It's it's all Nordic. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you see it, it looks. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it, well, I you know, it's a shield maiden. Right. So, uh, and yeah, just the way that this book is done with the breaks, with the yeah. breakup of the story, and each one, each one being being at a different time period in her life as well. Yeah. You know, you get it. You, like if you really pay attention to this book, you'll notice that she has a scar on her left eye, and certain stories in here she doesn't. She doesn't. Mm. She doesn't have the scar yet. And then others she does, you know. So it, it jumps back and forth in the times of her life, telling her story, telling who she is, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, idiotic, print, uh, you know, Jarl sons who thinks that they're better than everybody else and then getting screwed over and yeah. <laughs> just obliterating people, whipping butt, <laughs> you know, just totally kicking butt. Your kind of book. Oh yeah, absolutely it is. You know, uh, this particular story in the book I found really good—a uh, clash of thunder and a flash of lightning. Uh, I, there's a little twist at the end of that story that, honestly, if I would have paid better attention, I think I may have noticed it. Uh, but when it happened, I went oh, and I went back and I actually reread that that chapter that that storyline again. And it was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yep, I see it. I see where it's happening. So, you know, uh, great stuff. Like I said, there's only two issues so far on Kickstarter. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to the third one when it hits. Uh, and that one, it, it now the the writer's in England, so I assume that on the next, on the third one, I'll probably end up backing physicals because there's some really cool stuff that was physical stickers. Mm. Because I'm addicted to stickers, as we just discussed. Uh, I'll probably end up backing it physical, and we'll see You know what the time frame is. Uh, I, I feel like I've backed stuff from overseas before, and it came in in a very timely manner. So yeah. it, it, I was rather surprised by how fast uh, the last book that I, that, I book, uh, that I backed from overseas came in. Yeah. Uh, but when you go into the second issue, it's the quality is still one hundred percent there in the second. Oh issue. yeah! Oh, I love that cover. Oh yeah! Just I mean the cover, the cover once again beautiful cover, using that same pattern from the first right. issue on the second page. You know, the the design the the the, the little shields on the bottom of pages and yeah. betweens, you know. Uh, just absolutely fantastic, fantastically done. Uh, and like I said, the writer, the writer definitely knows what he's t- what he's writing, the subject matter. You know, um, whether he is a study, uh, a, you know, someone who studies the histories, uh, has read the Eddas and the Sakas, you know, over and over again, but does an absolutely fantastic job of using. Norse Nordic words, uh, words associated with different things to really dial in the understanding of where this is happening, uh, and why, and you know, a lot of it of why, why it's happening too. This was a great story, I really, yeah. really got a kick out of. Uh, this, this story was called, uh, Three Spears of Raven's Blood. Uh, 
fantastic, fantastic story. Uh, again, the artwork. I mean, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It's really nice. Now, Even though each style is different, they yeah. have a... I mean, I don't want to say house style. Some of, some of the styles are similar. Some of them are radically different, but... Very. You very can always different. see... It's the same vein. The it's continuity the same, is there yeah. no matter who the artist is. Yeah. And that's that's incredibly important when you're dealing with, you know, a variety of artists on a project. The styles are can be so radically different, but there's no question that is the shield maiden yeah. from storyline to storyline. Yeah. So um, it's funny. They call it, uh, it, it's the acclaimed Viking Western comic, um, which yes, you know, it is kind of very Western S Western, uh, storyline asking the fact that she's traveling through, you know, the Scandinavian region, uh, you know, encountering these different people, whether it be, you know, Danish, Norwegian, you know, mm. uh, you know each one of these areas have a little bit of a different in, in what they, in how their sagas and eddas and his, yeah. and historic stories are written, uh, so like I said, the writer, the writer on this again is Aza Wheatley. Uh, he really knows what he's talking about. I feel like you know it's very very well done work. Uh, I mean, look at that logo too. I know the lo- the logo on the book. You yeah. know the and incorporation the of yeah. the uh, the Mjolnir and then the wrapping. Yeah, uh, yeah, beautifully done. Sweet. You mentioned that you wish you would have got the printed stuff. Couldn't you still buy it? Um, that I act, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I did not even bother to look into that because I'll I'll just hang and wait for the next Kickstarter. Yeah. And you know I'll I'll do the physical back on the next Kickstarter mm. most likely, and then I'll I'll pick up the first three books on physical, and some other fun little things that they add on. I, like I said, the the last book had uh, stickers that I know. Uh, yep there's me zeroing in on my sticker obsession again (laughs) but you know it's uh let's see let's find out what what other fun things did they have on the physical oh wow awesome wheatley digital comic collection looks like everything that asa has wrote writ written for twenty pounds. Hmm. Yeah. Shield Maiden book three physical plus print uh twenty five pounds an hour. Uh so yeah, that's the I mean it's a great I mean this is not a lot of money when we're talking about it, yeah. you know? So um I think I backed just the digital ketchup, which was eight pounds, which I don't, I don't even remember what pounds translates into in American dollars, but it's worth every freaking penny. It, it fluctuates. Yeah. I remember in the early 90s, or I mean, see, the early 2000s, you doubled American dollars to a British pound. I don't think it's that way now. It's I think it's still more, but... Oh, Actually, it appears I need to correct myself. I caught up on when it hit issue three. And it looks like I'm just waiting on the third issue to get finished up. Unless I missed something in the... uh... Okay, that's something to look at later. 
I might I might have a third issue of this to how, read later. How long do they plan on doing this? How, how far? Do uh, I don't know. I didn't. I, I I'll be honest with you. I never really look at that on Kickstarter. <laughs> I just go, ah, this looks cool. Click. <laughs> you know, I mean, eh, I'm kind of, it's kind of a bad idea, I guess, in some ways, you know, yeah. what happens when I find out, oh, this book is planned for 300 issues. No, I, I, I'm the same way. I've, I'm the kind of person, I just wing everything. I, I, I do it, I get it. Um, I've worked with people and been around people that plan everything out to the the millimeter which yeah. i mean those people fascinate me and there's nothing wrong with that i i i can't do that so i i see some people would look at it and they'd want to study everything before they ever did it I, if it appeals to me i'm going to punch that buy button yeah absolutely and um you know half the time if they really have this major epic plan it my life reading comic books, how many times has something you love been canceled? Um, sometimes one or two issues, and that's all you ever see. It's just, you know. Oh, yeah, there's been plenty of times you pick, you, you know, you go to the shop, you pull something off the shelf, and it's like issue number one, and then you never see issue two <laughs> ever again. Or in cases like where Marvel cut off a bunch of stuff back in the 90s yeah. uh, because they were going through bankruptcy. Um, you never saw, like, the last issue of Ghost Rider came out, like, what, 2000 and, I don't, I don't remember, you know, it was, you know, it was only, you know, 10 years, I think, maybe, let's just, <laughs> let's just be maybe exaggerating on that, that we waited for that final issue. <laughs> here's, here's one, this is, this is completely different, but it's one that broke my heart. I love, absolutely love Dave Cockrum. Mm. And, you know, I discovered him when, at DC when he started doing, he only did 10 issues of the Legion of Superheroes. And some of those are only backup stories. Yeah. You know? I have to say, I would, I, that was probably my favorite American comic books, is yeah. those 10 issues he did. Uh, they were just something else. Well, then he stopped. You know, my girl took over and Dave Cockrum was gone. Um, Marvel made a big deal about the all-new, all-different X-Men. Yeah, I and remember they, that. And they went international. Yep. I read about a, a, a comic that had an ad, um, the first Marvel calendar from 75. It, um, I remember one point, and those little, you know, when the calendar would have all the dates, and they always had little funny things, and said, the X-Men go international. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they'd have, you know, Storm from Africa, you know, or wherever, and, you know, uh, Colossus from Russia. Never saw the X-Men, ever, in any store, nowhere. <laughs> and then, um, what was it? It was the end of 76 at Christmas. I was down in Wichita Falls, Texas, I was at, um, they had a chain of convenience stores called Jiffy. I went to the Jiffy, and I got, it was the one where Joggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy was at um, Cassidy Keep, which is Banshee's Castle. Right. Mm-hmm. I, again, ripped that thing out of the out of the stands. I was jumping up and down. I read that thing 75 times in my granny's house. <laughs> and um, I was so excited to find Dave Cockrum again. Uh, he wasn't inking it, which kind of dilutes his stuff but I was still thrilled 
And then after that, I was at a comic store in Oklahoma City, which is on the other side of town, hard to get to. I didn't have a car. I was a kid. But I could find X-Men. I remember one time that guy was even talking at the store to another customer. Said, yeah, says, X-Men are almost impossible to find. Yeah. I don't know why. But anyway, I was going through all this stuff. But when the first Marvel issue of John Carter, Warlord of Mars, came out, the comic. Yep. It was written by Marv Wolfman. It was uh, drawn, penciled by Gil Kane, and inked by, or embellished by Dave Cockrum. I just thought, I remember I was showing my friend's dad, this is my favorite artist, you know. I was, I love Gil Kane, but it finished, Dave Cockrum embellished it, he inked it and, you know, drew things. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, still one of my favorite comics. I think, yeah, I finally found him, I finally found him. And then the, the letter, where the letters page would be, they had a whole write-up about it. And they had sketches, well, their drawings by Dave Cockrum of John Carter, Dejah Thoris, Tars Tarkas, all this stuff. I'm like, man, I was so thrilled. Second issue came out. The cover, again, was by Gil Kane and Dave Cockrum. Again, ripped it out of the rack, you know, ride, rode my bike home, jumping yep. up and down. Rudy Nevers inked it. And Rudy Nebras is a good artist, mm-hmm. but compared to Dave Cockrum, he's a hack. <laughs> I mean, and that's not true, but that's, that's <laughs> that is an exaggeration. But my, still, my fourteen-year-old mind, he was a different inking style. He didn't have that really, you know, smooth, clean line. You know. Yeah, he had um a rough. It looked like you splatter paint everywhere. Now I look at it now, and I'm thinking it doesn't look like it, but it did then. You yeah. know, Rudy Nebris was a Filipino artist that had those traits that you know, a lot of ornate embellishing and flourishes and stuff. And I was kind of upset. And then after that, he was even inking the covers, and that's one thing that just drove my mind insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got one really awesome issue of John Carter, War of Mars, and I had 15 that I really didn't like at all. Yeah. Um, to this day, almost 50 years later, I still hate them. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a long time to hold a grudge down. <laughs> I didn't know Dave Crocker was doing X-Men at the time. But... <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're if you read comic books, American comic books, you're used to create a team changing, things canceled out from under you, and then sometimes sometimes they bring the character back at some other comic you don't read and they, they continue to tell their story. Um you just have to learn how to flow yeah. with it, you know, ride ride the wave. <laughs> yeah, you do sometimes. I mean you know. But that's also one of the things that I like about like anthology stories is that the artists switch up, you know, mm. you know, and, and uh, especially on a, on a book where like, well, unless she's done it, uh, shield maiden, uh, is a great example. You got the same writer, but you got different artists and different artist interpretations which we're used to seeing over the years with the big publishing companies, the different artists' interpretations of characters, yeah. slight variations in the in their in their suits or their designs and things like this, but nothing to the extent of they're unrecognizable. Yeah, and that's where I think Shield Maiden did a really good job. I mean, some of the art styles were wildly different. Yeah. 
but stayed beautifully true to the story uh, and the design of the character and the overall feel of, of the book. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Um, that first first issue, I think it was the third story, so this is nice. They were all nice, but that one, it yeah. appealed to my senses. Yeah, that that particular art style. Yeah, uh-huh. you do like that that kind yeah. of art style. But um, but even then, it's like, it wasn't like, oh, what, what did they do to her? I mean, yeah. it's still... Yeah. But all, all, all the issues you showed me, everything changed a bit, but there was something holding it all together where you can see that I don't know. It was all consistent. Yeah, in a the continuity way. is yeah. great. The continuity of the of the design, even with the varied art styles, yeah. you know, and that's that's I think a real a real credit to the creative teams that work on a book like this to keep the continuity. Because I've seen I've seen some wildly different stuff. Uh, not not recent, but I've seen wildly different stuff where you're reading it and you're like. Is this even the same? You know what? What the heck? You know, I like turned a page and now I'm I'm reading a whole different set of characters. Yeah. Oh no! Wait, they're calling each other by the same names. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's it's a little throws you off a bit. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I got a setup. I told you in the past. I can't remember the name of the two creators, but it was one writer that's a well-known crime writer, mm-hmm. and. An artist that I found I really love. It was a book called The Thing. The Thing from the Fantastic Four. Right, yeah. I absolutely love that that book. The Thing has had, you know, he was in Marvel 2-in-1, which became The Thing in the 80s. And uh, and I read a lot of those. But I don't know. Even though they were fine, they weren't great, you Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. When that Thing miniseries came out, it was the artwork that um, snagged me. And uh, I thought, well, all right, I'm going to get these. And the stories were just, the story and art on that was fantastic. And it it felt like old Jack Kirby Fantastic Four stories. They weren't trying to emulate it. They just had that feeling. Right. But it also showed a different day-to-day scope. I really enjoyed that series. And I think it ran for five issues. And, I, again, I hold it close to my heart. Well, now they got another series called, it's Clobberin' Time. And... I saw some of the artwork on Facebook, and um, I keep seeing this, oh, yeah. this cover. Oh, wow. That's a weird cover. Like, thing like, his rocks are, like, coming off of his body. Well, look at the first first one. Look at his... Oh, yeah. He's he, off, like... He shows the bloody flesh under the rocks. I've n- I don't recall really seeing too much of this in the past. Me, I mean, there was me the time either. where Ben... Walked around wearing the mask because part of his face got messed up. I, I never read those, but I kind of remember what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what happened to him exactly, but I do recall like his face being messed up and he was wearing like a mask for a while. Yeah. Somebody online had made a comment about this series before I started reading it that um, he showed you know what's under the rocks. And um, I think it's neat, but anyway... Kind of apprehensive about jumping into this one because I love the other series so much. I thought, well, half the time you love one series, you get another one, it's disappointment. Right. And uh, this creator wrote and drew it. It's one person. And um, when we were at Free Comic Book Day at Yancey Street South, um, Jay, who I had just met, he had a stack of comics he was buying and he had this. And of course, I'm like, is there any good? He goes, I don't know, I haven't read it yet. Okay. I was thinking I was going to get it. 
but I didn't. Anyway, uh, finally, I was at a shop, and I got the fourth issue. I thought, I'll try it. That's all they had. Right. And I'll tell you, as soon as I started reading it, check out, check out that page right there. I'm like, this is, you got this ship. You see Ben. Yeah. <laughs> floating into it. This is my kind of story. It's like he's gone through this ride. Dr. Doom is there. And the way they put this together, the mind games, all the stuff going on in this, the battles. It was an adventure comic. You're going through all these different places. You don't know. Ben's trying to get back. It has humor. It has fantastic action. The artwork, the visuals. It's um, it's fantastic. <laughs> and I thought, okay. So anyway, I went to my regular comic store. They had all... It's five issues. And then it ended. But uh, they had... They had all the issues I didn't have, so I was able to get the whole series. But this fourth issue, to me, is the linchpin. Um, I think I would like if I would have read the other issues, but the, that issue just shined like a diamond. Yeah, I mean, the action sequence that yeah. they're showing here, absolutely fantastic. I love the little rig that uh, Ben is riding around on. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, it's great. Um, but, um, oh, what the crap? Freaking in prison, the Watcher. No, it's it's it's. I can't what he calls himself. He was um he was tossed out of the Watchers. Oh, okay. He's got a different name, okay. and um, but he um. I can't what he call it. It's not rejected. He's the one that's been banished. Um, he's always got all these weapons, and he's all war torn. The Unwatcher. <laughs> yeah. But he's he starts out from the very beginning. He's near. He's telling his story. Yeah, I know. I noticed him in the very yeah. beginning there. But um, each issue, the first issue has Incredible Hulk. And um, when I was a kid reading comics, Bruce Banner would show up. Ben would always have to fight the Hulk. The Hulk would appear when Jack Kirby's doing the book, and later, right. you know, when John Buscema and later Rich Buckler. It was always a thing, but. You know, Bruce Banner would show up, or the Hulk would show up, but Bruce Banner and Reed Richards were friends, and Ben and Reed and Bruce Banner were friends, even though the Hulk was really dangerous, and they always had to fight him tooth and nail, but in this first one, it starts out, they're at the Baxter building, mm -hmm. and they go off, um, what was it, Galactus is in one of them, uh, Doctor Strange is in one Different people are in each one. I'm trying to think of the fifth one. This this character that they're introducing in the end of this book, um, what this is issue four. <clears throat> this uh, Ogda's phrase. Wow, yeah, that's a name. Uh, he looks cool as hell. Oh, he's he's the protagonist in all the issues. Is he? Yeah. I mean, this is this is he's. This is a time thing too. It's a time and space thing. Oh, Wolverine's in in this issue. Yeah, that? I saw that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. This. But even that, the Wolverine thing, it was neat because he goes to that. What was that island all the X Men were on? Um, oh, uh, Kakoa. Yeah. See, I never Dallas lent me some of these. I never. I stopped reading X Men way back, but um, it it's neat. It's it's got this massive scope like. 
Like when you see Star Wars, it's this whole world and universe and all these things going on. You know, yeah. it's like that where it's this scope of things and everything's thought out and massive. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna comment real quick. You were talking about the the jokes in this book. <clears throat> yeah. Doom gets his butt kicked and un like hit, taken out of his armor. He rips the, the 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 he gets ripped out of his armor. They just put a censored bar across his face, yeah. rather than, rather yeah. than, like, they've shown a couple of very grotesque things in here, and they're censoring Doom's face. <laughs> I think that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, what, the one thing that makes me question here is, I'm curious if this was, <clears throat> if the artist drew his face... And Marvel went, nah, 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 we can't show Doom's face. We never show Doom's face. No, I think yeah. the artist did that. Or if he put the censored bar over there just for the for the comedic effect. Well, because the whole, the whole tone of the book, and I'm saying this, the book is an adventure book. It's got everything in it, but it has a, it has a tongue-in-cheek sense of humor to it, but not slapstick, even though there are slapsticky things in it. See, I, I love it. You know, I, we, you and I have talked about this in the past. I just always imagine what would Doctor Doom actually smell like in that suit of armor. Oh God, he'd smell horrible. Yeah, because I always imagine like old shrimp in a can. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> old shrimp in a can. Wow. Because you know, you think about it. You know, in the that first when they told the story in the very beginning of Fantastic Four, and it was that that secret order of Tibetan monks that yeah. made in that suit of suit of armor. And he wore the the face mask on to hide his disfigured face. And it's yeah. just not cold yet. This is the master can't wait. So they put this burning hot mask Me- on metal his face. mask on his face. Yep. He's always in the armor. And then I was thinking about when he stole the Silver Surfer's, you know, power cosmic. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, what would that do to a human body in a metal suit? And then, and then, how many times have you seen him do stuff like that? Um. Where his body's been ravaged, he's gone everywhere, you know, and half the time you think he's dead and he comes back, I'm thinking... Yeah, because Doctor Doom doesn't strike me as the guy that gets to the end of his day, takes his shoes off, and goes and takes a shower, you know? I don't know why, but, like, he he doesn't seem like the guy who does an eight-hour shift and goes home and immediately gets in the shower. He yeah, just doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he's always a monarchy, but, you know, on this one... I will say, I really, this is one of my favorite Dr. Doom stories. He's he appeared in a couple of times, and he still has that egotistical thing, but the way the, the creator does this, it's really clever, and I've never seen Dr. Doom play mind games with somebody, petty little mind games. Um, yeah. That fourth issue, to me, is just a, it's, it's a diamond in the rough. Well, not rough, because this whole series, is. I really enjoyed this a lot. But um, but even to the end, how it ends, I'm thinking, oh, well, that was really clever. I've never seen Doctor Doom portrayed quite like that. He's always been arrogant, and egotistical, and yeah, he's in, he's always been like an arrogant prick. But yeah. for him to play like petty little mind games and stuff, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know what? It fits. Oh it, yeah, it, it fits know? perfectly. It's not like yeah. You know, how many times have you seen? One that irritated me more than anything was in the seventies. They had a Marvel had a comic book called Super Villain Team Up, and I bought one issue of it, and it was Doctor Doom and Magneto. And 
I um, Magneto was a buffoon. Mm. Basically, what the thing was is Doctor Doom had already taken over the world. He had had, I think it was some kind of gas or something, but everybody had to succumb to him. All the president of the United States, everybody, whatever he said, they'd have to do. And he told Magneto because you know he's fighting, he's arguing about it. And then he said, um, what was it? When Doctor Doom revealed to him, he says, um, the problem is, I'm this is just no challenge on board. So you need to straighten this out. You know, if you can fix it or if you can stop it, you got a chance. And Magneto, what? What? Oh my God! And the whole book is like that. He's running around and falling all over. The, it was Pratt Falls, mm. everything. Yeah. Well, that's not how. Magneto was ever, and of course, you know when they did the new X Men, he turned more Darth Vaderish and really scary. But yeah, he was never a, a Pratt falling buffoon. Yeah, yeah. And this this one, it's Doctor Doom, but <laughs> it was kind of these subtle things. I think, what a dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean that tracks, man. I mean that totally tracks if you think about it. Like Doom is like. I could totally see Doom being like this gaslighting, <laughs> narcissistic, you know, just total prick. Yeah, know? that's and, absolutely and, what he was. Yeah, like in the one issue where like him and Ben are sitting down and like he's trying, he's got the food in front of him. Ben Ben's reaction to the food is. This feels a little hostile, Victor. <laughs> and like, I mean, you got like, you got like a kebab through this thing's eyes with like an olive and a tomato. And that's those creatures they're fighting. Yeah, those the creatures they the were just fighting the panel before, and Doom makes soup out of them. Yeah, well, you know? you're thinking like, you're going through space in this this vessel, and yeah. you got to do what you got to do, and. The thing says something about you can't. You don't have any hamburgers in this thing, right. you know. Well, and then a few panels later, it shows a burger with a bite taken out of yeah, that's it. That's what I mean, the douchebag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, oh, I made you a burger, but I took a bite. Anyway, I I highly recommend this, and I mean, I'm saying this. I mainstream comics, superhero comics, basically, they're just protecting trademarks. I mean, honestly, yeah. And yeah. they're just rehashing the same stuff that I was reading when I was six years old. Yeah. So when um, something a little different, yeah. a little weird comes out, you know. But, I mean, I and like I said, I, on this series, I was just, for those reasons, I'm always hesitant to buy these things. Yeah. But this one, the thing I I give my highest recommendation to, uh, was it Walter Mosley was the writer? I'm Anyway, I. those are fantastic. But this one is right up there with. I really enjoyed this. I felt like I was a kid again, and I'm saying this. It's it's a different vibe than the old books, but it still has that same same Fantastic Four feeling, even though it's it's been mainly grim. focused on Thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, and it was fun. It was a lot yeah. of adventure. And I mean, we're only talking about five books, you yeah. know, and they're they're recent, so you know, probably give it another month. This whole thing will be in a trade. Yeah, and it'll make a really nice trade. And yeah. of course, as I always say, when you get a trade, it comes with back matter. You yeah, know. The, all the back matter stuff on this ought to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I give this my highest recommendation. And uh, like I said, it sat on the, the walls and because um, I was always afraid to dip my toe in it. But yeah. the fourth issue just made it. Awesome. Anyway. I love it, man. It's great. 
Well, uh, it, are about, we time? Yeah, it's wow, about time. Man. Holy cow! Well, so parting thoughts. Parting thoughts. Uh, you know, it, Don, great seeing you. First off, yeah, and, <laughs> and like actually see, physically seeing you. <laughs> Yeah, it's been nice. It's nice to be with your friend, you know. Yeah. It's nice. Well, I think the last, you know, we're going to go off on it for a second here, people. Just join, just hang on. Uh, you know, the last couple of years of separation with everybody has been really weird and wild. Yeah. You know, so it's nice to be able to just sit down, relax, sit with a stack of comic books, and just hang out. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And for any of you guys out there that are missing that, Get over to your local comic book shop. Yes. Talk crap. Ask about <laughs> new stuff. Ask about weird stuff coming out. You know, encourage them to maybe start carrying some other people's stuff. Like, hey, like Scout Comics, lesser known comics. Those are some great publishers out there that uh, I think your local comic book shops could really benefit by adding into their repartee. Yeah. My local comic shop has the whole Scout rack. Nice. You know, they do. That's beautiful. So, sweet. All right. Uh, if you're like to draw, if you're any kind of artist, we're always looking for free com- or fake comic book covers to post on the Facebook page and the Facebook group to announce a new episode. I want to say free. I meant that we can't pay you for it. We broke. <laughs> so, uh, this show makes no money, but if you wouldn't mind donating one, uh, it'd be yours to own. And if you last do, we'll add it to the cover gallery of the blog. A lot of people really enjoy these. Um, I, I format them anyway. Just send me whatever you got. Um, and if you're hesitant about it, don't be hesitant. Everybody's always afraid I won't like it. Everybody's enjoyed these. Uh, if you're any kind of musician, singer, performance artist, I've said mimes in the past. If you could put on MP3, since we play it uh brooke always gets upset when i play the same people over and over again and i'll be honest i'm kind of tired of myself doing that too anyway uh we also have a t-shirt as a matter of fact i'm wearing one right now it's on the glorious the glorious t-shirts <laughs> but um we got three different kinds uh one-sided and one two-sided or two two-sided anyway uh it's not to make us rich <laughs> which has been a failure <laughs> It's uh, it's just to help with the hosting fees that come up every month or I mean every year. Um, listen to the show, wear the shirt. Guys, go check out our website, bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You're going to find examples of everything we talked about along on this show, along with wow, we're both stumbling over the ending. <laughs> <laughs> along with prior episodes, lots of links and everything to the artists and writers and creators that we've talked about. But until next time, everybody, read more comics! comics.